0: Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please stay standing for the reading of the gospel, Luke 11, verses 1 through 13, He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial." And he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend... At least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, you will give a snake instead of a fish? or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. May the words of my mouth
1: and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How do we pray? This is the million-dollar question that's before us today. It's the question the disciples are asking Jesus in our scripture from Luke. Lord, teach us how to pray. Tell us. Show us. How do we pray? It's a great question, especially for folks who are followers of Jesus who call ourselves Christian how do we pray? Especially because in my experience, I find that a lot of people find prayer intimidating. Heck, I, a lot of the time, find prayer intimidating, and I spent three years and $30,000 getting a degree called Master of Divinity. Now, if anybody ever tells you they've actually mastered the divine, then you need to find yourself another conversation partner. But that's what it's called. But friends, I get intimidated by it and I literally get paid to pray. It's a big part of my job. I do pray a lot, officially and professionally and worship and meetings and prayer groups at meals. I pray in my own life and set aside time, but also in traffic, when my kids are getting on my last nerve and I say, God, please let me take a few breaths before I throw these Legos into the trash. Prayer isn't a foreign language to me. And yet, I often find it intimidating. I think this is because I really want to say the right thing, ask for the right thing, be in the right kind of posture before God. How are we supposed to pray, Jesus? Please tell us. Please teach us. And I would venture to guess for a lot of people that we can get tripped up on that word. How are we supposed to pray? What's the right way? If you do a Google image search for the word prayer, there are two dominant images. Both of them are centered on hands. One of them, as you can imagine, is two hands put together in this posture. Folded like this, sometimes there's the shadowy image of a head behind it bowed down. The other one is also of hands, but this time it's usually a shadowy figure from the back of a whole person's body with their hands outstretched like this, head up on some beautiful mountain vista or at the ocean. These are good, legitimate forms of prayer. But if the only way that I could pray is if I had some quiet moments by myself to fold my hands, or if I just happened to be alone on a beautiful vista, then I'd be out of luck a lot of the time. I went to a workshop earlier this year on prayer. It was by a woman named Sue Nelson kibbe She's a pastor in Ohio. And she's a woman who's steeped in prayer herself, but she also resources people and congregations about how to be bathed in prayer so we can discern God's vision for who we are, where we're going, where the Spirit might be calling us. The million-dollar question was there before us. How do we pray? Teach us, we said. Teach us how to pray. Her answer, there are a million different ways. She started by naming how prayer can be intimidating for people. We get worried we don't have the right words or the right answers. Maybe we think our prayers are too trivial before God or that there are those prescribed ways we're supposed to pray, and we may not know what all of them are. Well, she shakes all of that up, and she says, too often we think it has to be done in a certain way, in a certain place, at a certain time. But she shatters those images with the good news that if we are talking to God, then God hears. Period. No exceptions. We even have instances in scripture of people crying out, not to God, just crying out, and God hears. That doesn't even have to be our intention. God is always listening to us. She names different kinds of prayers and categories and lets us know and gives us permission that all of them are correct against sometimes our better judgment or wisdom And I want to share some of them with you. She talks about the virtue of silent prayer versus spoken prayer, particularly in gatherings, whether large gatherings like this or at church meetings. She says, we tend to think that the prayer holds more virtue if it's said out loud, that people who are comfortable praying out loud somehow have superior prayers or extra access to God. I'm guilty of this. Oftentimes in a meeting, I'll open with prayer, and then when it's done, I'll look around the room and say, who would like to close us? And all the heads go down. Nobody wants to make eye contact, and I look around the room. She says we should never force anybody to pray out loud. People shouldn't be terrified to pray before God if that's not their gift or their comfort level. Silent prayer is just as powerful. She talks about general prayer and specific prayer. Because sometimes we don't know how to pray because we might not have anything really specific to pray for. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we know that we are praying for healing, a restoration of a relationship, for peace in the midst of conflict. But sometimes we want to set aside time to pray without anything specific. And she says, that's fine. Pray generally. Just listen for God. In fact, the first answer that Jesus gives his disciples in today's scripture when they say, teach us how to pray, he gives a shorter and punchier version of the Lord's prayer that we say here every single week. And a great general prayer is, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. That's just as powerful as a specific request. She talks about prayer that involves touch and prayer that doesn't. There were powerful traditions in the Christian church of laying on of hands of somebody who needs healing or of commissioning, or we all stand up in a circle and hold hands. That's one of my favorites. And you can just feel, right, the power of the Spirit moving around us when we pray. That's powerful. But for some people, there are personal histories of abuse that make this painful, and they do not want to be touched during prayer. She gives permission to say, There is touch prayer and there is no touch prayer, and they are all valid before God. One of my favorites is sitting versus walking prayer. Why do we think that the only time we can pray is when we're sitting? She says we can pray to God very powerfully when we're walking or running or jogging or riding a bike just as much as we can through sitting still. She talks about lights on prayer and lights off prayer. By lights on prayer, she means those times when you are praying and you feel palpably the Holy Spirit at work. Maybe you get goosebumps. Maybe you start to receive some clarity about something you've been praying for for a long time. This is powerful. It often doesn't happen that much either. She says lights off prayer is just as powerful when we pray and we pray and we're not sure what we're feeling. We're not sure that God is listening. God is just as much there. In those prayers. And I'm going to add a category of my own to those categories that she lays out, and that's serious prayer and silly prayer. I find that most of the time I pray, I take on a different tone and posture. I close my eyes. I do look down. Or even on walking prayer, which I really like to do, I find that I take a more serious tone before God. And there are lots of times and places to do that when there are real serious matters on our minds and our hearts. But I also think it's good sometimes to let a little bit loose with God. That's why I had us all do that Superman prayer together. Because God is the giver of life and all good things and joy and fun and laughter. And we have got to remember that when we are inhabiting those spaces too, that we are in the presence of God and God is watching and laughing. Think about what it does to your posture, to your spirit, to laugh, to look up, to use your body. I invite you to try that prayer this week even and especially if you don't have children around your table and see how it brings a little bit of joy into your life, remembering that everything, our food and our friends, are from God. In some ways, her teaching on prayer is simple, right? When you remember that you are in the presence of God and all that you do and all that you are wherever you go, you are praying You don't need a Master of Divinity degree or a lifelong prayer practice. You don't need the correct, right words at the right time. You just need an awareness that God is present, even if you don't feel that presence in the moment. It's simple. I also think it's revolutionary. It opens up prayer practice as something that all of us can do at all times. So how do we pray? In a million different ways. What happens when we pray? That may be the billion-dollar question. Jesus goes on in our scripture lesson telling a story about being persistent in our prayer. And then he says these famous words, off-quoted that we've already sung together today, ask and it will be given you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And this is where things get hard. And I think a big reason prayer feels intimidating, because how often have we asked, have we persisted, have we knocked on that door and not gotten what we needed? We pray for our marriage not to crumble, for healing to come into a relationship we ask for clarity. We ask for the cancer to be removed. We pray to be able to have children or to find a fulfilling job. We pray for local and global hunger to end, for peace. We pray it every time we pray. And sometimes our prayers are answered, and sometimes they're not. And when they aren't, we wonder is it us? Were our prayers not right or correct? Are we doing it the wrong way? Are we praying for the right things? Is God really listening? I wish I had the answers to these questions. If I did, I would be a billionaire. But there are things about our faith that remain mysterious, that remain in the all-powerful hands of God. But here's what we do know. We do know who God is. I'm heartened by the very end of this passage, this passage where Jesus teaches his disciples and us about prayer, because after assuring us that God's love exceeds even the love of a human parent for a human child, he promises, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is what Jesus promises us about prayer. Ask for the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Search for the Holy Spirit, and you will find the Holy Spirit. Knock on God's door, and the Holy Spirit will open it up and will blow you through. Be persistent, be annoying even in your petitions. Pray as I taught you, and the Holy Spirit will be your guide, your answer. Your strength will groan for you when you have sighs that are too deep for words. Will fill you up with fiery power when you are seeking justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God. Will empower you with the fruits of the Spirit, which are love and joy and patience and gentleness, kindness, generosity, self-control. When we pray whether with the words of the Lord's Prayer and the poetry of the Psalms, if we're just silent in an intimate moment, if we're walking or running, if our heads are bowed or lifted up to heaven, we are invoking the Spirit of God. I still find prayer intimidating, and I'm going to tell you that this week I found particularly intimidating to try to write and deliver a sermon to you about prayer. I think in large part because I don't have a lot of answers. But the thing about this passage is that Jesus doesn't say what you need. He doesn't say what you get are answers or a full understanding. What he does say is you need to pray persistently and then trust the God who loves you more than you could ever imagine with the rest. Trust that the Spirit is at work within us. So I'm sitting at my desk on Friday afternoon trying to wrap up this sermon. It was a moment when I felt particularly stuck. I was staring at my screen, fumbling with some empty words about the Holy Spirit, trying to come up with some answers that might satisfy you as you walk out of these doors, that might satisfy me. And something happened. I closed my computer, I stood up, I began to walk through the halls, and friends, I started to pray. I found myself here in the narthex, and I prayed for all the greeters who I knew would be showing up here early on Sunday morning, that they may share the hospitable love of God with every single person who walks through these doors. I prayed for the ushers. I prayed over those offering plates that they may be filled bountifully so that we can go out of here and do kingdom work in the world. I prayed for everybody who would walk through those glass doors, that whatever they were feeling, lost or lonely, that as they came in here, they might find some moments of peace and some moments of warmth. As I came through these wooden doors, I started to pray over every single pew, I walked up and down the aisles, and then I went up to the balcony, and I did the same thing. And I prayed for each one of you who are sitting here today, those of you who have been here for 50 and 60 years, giving thanks for your witness and praying that the Spirit would continue to fall afresh on you. I prayed for people who may be walking through these doors for the first time. That's an intimidating thing to do, to show up to church for the first time. I gave thanks for those who were willing to do that, and that this place may feel like home. I prayed for so many, we don't know their stories, who are experiencing loss or grief or anger or pain, that in this hour, the comfort of God may surround them. I prayed that God might fill up this place with people we don't yet know, but who are looking for the transformational love of God. And then I came up here to the chancel area, And I found myself praying over the instruments, the piano, and the organ, giving thanks for the ways that Nicole helps us glorify God every single week through music. I prayed for Austin and for Catherine, who I knew were singing, though I didn't know how extraordinary they would be, but for the ways that they help us know God better. I came over here and put my hands on every single choir chair, giving thanks for those faithful souls who have this summer off that they may be renewed to come back to September with full voice and spirit and energy. I prayed for the pickup choir that's happening the last two Sundays at August, that some of you may decide that this is a place where you want to lift your voice and may join their number and song. I felt foolish in this place by myself. It was dark, it was a Friday afternoon, not many people were around. I was afraid that Willie or Nicole might walk in and see me with my hands lifted up towards the organ and might think she has lost her mind. But then I continued to walk and as I went back to the narthex, I found myself back out on the front lawn. The first thing I saw was the cemetery to the right. And I gave thanks for those souls who have now gone on to be with God, but whose spirit would still inspire us about what it means to be the church of God in this place, in this time. Giving thanks that they made this place possible. I lifted up my hands to Mount Vernon. Those people probably really thought I had lost my mind. All those cars whizzing by. I pray that whatever they needed, the kingdom of God might be done in their lives. That they may know, whatever they're facing, that they are not alone. And if they needed a community in whom to know that, they would feel safe in this place. I crossed the street and prayed over the activity center, for the preschool that's starting up after Labor Day, for the teachers and staff who are getting the place ready, for the little ones who we will care for in that place, for the after-school program that starts in a couple of weeks, and for all of the activities that happen there, sports camp, basketball, soccer, that those folks may know the love of Jesus, the love of God, whether they ever step foot into this place or not. And when I came back across the street, I headed back to my office, ready to wrap things up. But the spirit kept moving me, and I found myself down at the nursery. And I prayed for those who care for the littlest ones among us. And I prayed that God might multiply the number of the little ones, so that more and more little ones may know at this formative stage the imprint on them, that we worship a God who promises that love is forever a God who promises that God's love will never, ever let us go. By the end of the afternoon, I had made my step count. (laughs) But more importantly, I remembered and I experienced the Holy Spirit powerfully at work in and among us in this place. My job isn't to know exactly what happens when we pray. That is God's job, thanks be to God. My job and our job as followers of Christ is to pray early and often and without ceasing and to trust that when we do, the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work in our midst. The winds of God are empowering the world with love, more love than we could ever imagine, spreading that kingdom of mercy and justice and hope, and of a peace and a power that passes all of our understanding. Thanks be to God. Amen. As you go this morning, go with this blessing. Leave this place knowing and believing that God hears you. May we be set free to pray with our bodies, with our words, and our silence, and all that we do, trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in and among us and brave enough to follow that leading. Go forth with the peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast.
0: We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.